This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama brought to you every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. Our first story this week comes from Nightbeat. We'll hear the June 26th, 1950 episode titled The Juvenile Gangster. After that, it's American Adventure and the Rat on Lincoln Avenue. That episode aired September 22nd, 1955. Wheaties presents Night Beat. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, Night Beat, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. And sometimes when you pick up the threads of a yarn and start putting them together, you find you've woven yourself a shroud. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Did you know? Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. They really can. The world isn't half so tough to face when you've got a good breakfast under your belt. And it doesn't matter what part of the world you're facing, either. Farmers can farm better, actors can act better, salesmen can sell better on a better breakfast. And that's what you start with when you start with Wheaties. Because here are flakes of whole wheat. Whole wheat. With the vitamins, the minerals, the wonderful, life-giving energy of whole wheat. The very things you need to get work done that you're meant to get done in the morning. Of course, it's no fun getting up in the morning to just a batch of vitamins and minerals. Mm, wouldn't that be dull? But it's fun, you bet it is, to lay spoon to crisp, flaky little flakes called Wheaties. Pour on the cold milk, put on the fruit you like best, and eat happy. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast for you. Come on now. See how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. A great poet once wrote about Chicago. He said it was a city built by men with muscles and a willingness to use them. Well, Chicago is still full of willing people. Some willing to work and others willing to let them. You take Gus Reed, who broke jail last week while doing life for murder. Not that he ever became bent with honest toil. He just got crooked trying to avoid it. But now he was out, escaped with a famous hood named Neil Ramsey. When I dropped into the precinct station to see if there were any late developments, the boys told me there might be some later on. So I stepped out for a cup of coffee and a sandwich at Harpoon Louis, a few blocks down the avenue. Oh, hello, Mr. Stone. Been several nights since I've seen you. Working hard? Well, I've been on the jump. That's good tonight. Got a fresh baked ham that's quite tasty. That's a deal. On uh, fried or rye? Ah, uh, rye, I guess. Mustard and pickle, I presume? Yeah, and a cup of coffee. Well, look what just walked in. 
Looks like the man from Mars. What happened, kiddo? Your flying saucer breakdown? Oh, well, goodness, you're a big boy to be wearing a Halloween mask. Shut up. Uh, What's the big idea? What's it look like? This is a sticker. The kid was sandy-haired, skinny, and as nervous as a two-headed boy at a scalping party. A mask covered his entire face, a fantastic false face with a couple of rubber antenna quivering over the eyebrows. Very amusing. Until you looked down and saw the thirty-eight in his fist. All right. You, behind the counter. Open the cash register. Let's have it, quick. Well, all right. Easy with that gun, kid. Shut up, you. Empty your pockets. Anything you say. Easy on the trigger. There you are. All right. You behind the counter. Just lay that money on the showcase. It, uh, it isn't worth it, you know, son. I'll just take that. As the kid stepped forward, his eyes on the money, I lunged swinging. He whirled as my fist smashed against his wrist. The gun hit the floor and I snatched at his mask, ripping off a corner as the elastic snapped. He jerked away, tripping me as I grabbed him. I fell. The last thing I remember as my head hit the radiator was his white face as he jerked open the door and fired out. When I came to, I was lying on the floor with the delicatessen owner and a couple of cops standing over me. I stared up at them, my brain knee-deep in fog. Oh, that man's gone, huh? Oh. How's your head feel, Stone? Oh, it's sagging like a, a wet circus tent. Here, let me help you out, Mr. Stone. Thank you. Thank you. I can manage. Hey, here's a description of the kid that Louis gave us. See how it checks with you, Will. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. About, uh, 13... Five feet three, light hair. Mm-hmm. I uh, suppose you'll be able to trace him by that gun he left, won't you? Oh, it's probably stolen. Why do you suppose a boy, a, a child, would do a thing like that? You suppose he was hungry? <laughs> Those little rats are just born mean, I know. But all this juvenile delinquency we've been having lately, can't something be done? The only answer is treat them rough. Got to be twice as hard as they think they are. While tombstones are hard, too, officer, but they generally have a good word or two for the people beneath them. Okay, Mr. Stone. After what happened to you tonight, I'll leave it to you to find a good word for them. Well, heaven help us if we don't. Come on, Joe. Uh, be at Detective Headquarters first thing in the morning, will you, Louis? Uh, yes. Well, I suppose I'd better make a report to my insurance company. Uh Uh-oh, what's this? What is it, Mr. Stone? You find something? Yeah, a piece of the kid's mask. Tore it off when I grabbed him. Police must have overlooked it lying there on the floor. Well, it doesn't matter, I suppose. No, maybe not, but it's the part that has the price label stuck on the inside. Oh? Yeah, with the name of the store printed on it. Eddie and Mabel's Refreshments, Toys, Novelties. Now, Louie, where's your telephone directory? The address turned out to be down in the low-rent district. I hopped a taxi, and in a matter of minutes, I was standing in front of Eddie and Mabel's staring at the toys littering the dusty showcase. Among them lay a few tired-looking masks, each one identical with the one the kid had worn. I went in. Yeah? Nothing I can do for you? I was just noticing those masks in your window. Have you sold any recently? Masks? Who sells masks this time of year? Why? Well, I just wonder. A drummer comes in and sells my husband masks. Can you imagine? In April, my husband buys masks for Halloween. Well... A hat he's got on him. I, uh... Two months we have these masks in stock, and how many think we sell? One. One single mask. 
A businessman, he calls himself. <laughs> just when did you sell that one mask? Well, it so happens just this morning. To a 13-year-old boy who needs it like I need a hole in the head. Now, who is he? His poor mother slaves all day long in a laundry, and he spends money on junk like that. Does it pay to have children? I ask you. What's his name? Reed, Jimmy Reed. Oh, I feel sorry for his mother. Such a bum that kid is. But with that kind of a father, what can you expect? Oh, wait just a minute. Did you say Reed? Who is his father? Just Reed, the gangster who breaks out of prison. It's in all the papers. Oh, yeah. I see. How is it that you know the boy and his mother so well? Why shouldn't I? They live in the apartment house on the corner. Why? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good night. I could have sworn that I'd heard dim voices as I'd approached the door of the Reed apartment, but now there was nothing but silence. The silence of an enemy holding his breath. Does Jimmy Reed live here? What's he done now? Are you Mrs. Reed? Yeah. Are you from the police? Oh, no, no, but I'd like to see him for his own good. Well, he's, uh, he, he's not here now. If you'll come back tomorrow, Look, he'll... lady, if I go now, I'll be back with the cop. Let him in, let him in. If it's so important... Come in, pal. No sense bothering the cops. They said, come in. And keep those mitts lifted high. It was the infamous Neil Ramsey, the lad who busted out with Gus Reed. He stepped from behind the door, lean and dark, his mouth grinning, but his eyes as cold as rigor mortis. Eyes I'd seen staring from many an FBI poster and rogues gallery album. And behind him, the heavier red-eyed Gus. Well, what are you waiting for? Come on in. Okay, Gus, I'll go along with the crowd. Those guns you've got look like a big crowd to me. Hey, Pop, the guy who shot me at the dock at Hi, Jimmy. Um, now, the boy made a slight mistake, Gus. He didn't keep his eye on a sucker. You and your lousy two bucks. I would have done all right. You hadn't stuck your big, fat nose in. Yeah, not uh, much of a teacher, are you, Gus? But then I don't suppose I can blame you. You never had nerve enough to stick up anybody yourself. You shot him in the back and then robbed him. Oh, I ain't got nerve, huh? Show him, Pop. Gus, don't. Please don't needle him, Mister. He's been drinking. Yeah, I know. Whenever he gets into trouble, he tries to pull himself out with a corkscrew. You can't do it, Gus. He said Papa's yellow. No, I'm yellow. Huh? Oh, sure. You're a colorful character, Gus. A red nose, white liver, and a yellow streak. Yellow. Huh? Don't try it, Gus. Shoot, and you'll get the chair this time. Keep your hands up, yellow. Huh? Gus, no. I'll show you. His gun butt cracked against my skull, and I staggered backwards. Tripped over a constellation of stars and fell into darkness. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? You killed him! Killed him! General Mills is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. We have a special treat for you tonight, and here's Ed Prentice to tell you about it. Thanks, Frank. Folks, I'd like you to meet an old friend of mine. Here's Luke Appling, the dashing young man of the Chicago White Sox. Ah, uh, cut it out, Ed. I've been playing ball for the Sox for over 20 years. Why, that's way back before Wheaties baseball broadcast. Huh, that's almost way back before Wheaties. <laughs> say, Ed, speaking of Wheaties, I brought along some peaches from down home in Georgia. Reckon we can locate some bowls around here? 
Maybe the cast would like a little snack after the show. Well, what could be better than that? A Wheaties champion dishing up the breakfast of champions for a bunch of champion actors. Stick around, Luke. I got a whole case of Wheaties waiting for you. That's swell, Ed. But could I have just one bowl now? Wheaties are awfully tough to wait for. And now, back to Night Beat and Randy Stone. When I found myself the prisoner of a couple of fugitive killers, I should have played it dumb instead of getting out with a smart talk. Might have saved me a crack on the head to match the one I got in the delicatessen store. When I came to, I was lying on a sofa, limp as a poached egg on toast. I turned my head and I saw Mrs. Reed with Lieutenant Saunders of Homicide. Looks like he's coming out of it. How do you feel, Stone? Oh, one more dent in my skull. I'll rent it for a golf ball. So Gus and Neil got past you, huh? Well, they won't get past the roadblocks we set up. How'd they get out of the house? Over the roof? Yeah, same way they got in, apparently. Old stuff. You should have figured that, Lieutenant. Oh, sure. Just like you figured on finding him there when you stuck your nose in. Yeah. Jimmy, go with him? Jimmy's a child. Baby, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a good boy, Mr. Stone. It's all his father's fault. He's twisted, Jimmy. He thinks his father's a hero. Okay, Mrs. Reed, that wraps it up. They're through here for the time being. After Lieutenant Saunders and his men left, I tried to get the answer to some questions I'd missed. For instance, why had Gus and Neil come here? What did they want? Food, liquor, money. They took everything I had. Have any idea where they might be heading? I only wish I knew. August broke out a week ago. If, if this is the first time he's been here, there's a chance he's been laying low in a hideout, probably... Well, probably just outside of Chicago. I don't know. Mrs. Ray, do you think Jimmy's known about the hideout? Has his father been in touch with him this past week? I don't know. He's been acting so strange. Mm -hmm. You think Gus could have contacted him before he broke out? Or that Jimmy might have known in advance? Well, how could he? Did he see his father in prison lately? No, not lately. Uh-huh. Gus, uh, write him very often? No, not nearly as much as Jimmy wrote him. He kept his father's letters? Oh, of course. Kept them like they were treasure. Can you get them? I'd like to look them over. Oh. I'll see if I can find them. I studied the half dozen or so letters that Mrs. Reed brought me and found nothing. They were uniformly dull, stupid, and apparently without significance. That is, all except the last one. Jimmy got it a couple of weeks ago. Read it. Be a good boy and don't get mixed up with the old lakeside gang of a bunch of taverns. Abandon the road to evil. It doesn't sound like Gus, does it? Mm -hmm. I'm getting good with the prison censure, that's right. Putting on that hypocrisy. Uh-huh. I, uh, get homesick off and on. Your accident on the Compton Highway was tough. You're truly your own man. Compton Highway? I don't know what Jimmy told him, but he certainly didn't have any accident. Uh, what about the Lakeside Gang? Oh, I never heard of it. This bunch at the tavern he mentioned. Well, I tell you, it doesn't make sense. Jimmy would have told me if there'd been any trouble. I know he would have. Mm, abandon the road to evil. Now, you're absolutely right, Mr. Lee. It doesn't make sense. I'm not... I held it up to the ceiling light, and there it was. Pinpoints of light gleaming through eight words in the letter. What is it? Does this make any sense to you? Old Lakeside Tavern, abandoned road off Compton Highway. Lakeside Tavern? 
Of course. Gus used to work there. When? Years ago. It was a beer parlor. On an abandoned road? Well, it wasn't then. They built a shortcut later that bypassed it. The place was condemned. Uh-huh. Well, I'd better be going. I'm going with you. On a hold? You can't stop me. Jimmy's there. We don't know that. Well, if that's where they are, he's there, and I'm going. Now, look. The best thing that we can do is go to the police and tell them what No, no, think. no, Mr. Stone. Please. They'll be shooting. Jimmy will be killed. As long as he stays with Even them. if he isn't, if he's arrested there, it'll make things worse for him than they are now. Please, Mr. Stone, let's do it my way. But what? What can you do? Well, get him away from there first before the police come. Well, I'll probably regret this, but come on. We took a taxi to the garage where I picked up my car and we headed out past Lincoln Park, turning southeast for the highway. You sure we turned off at the right place? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. This is part of the old road. There. And there it is, the tavern between those trees. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. What is it? I thought I saw a light in one of those windows. Oh, I didn't see anything. Now, look. We passed a filling station about a mile back down the road. It'd be much better if we went back and buzzed the state highway. Oh, no. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, wait! Jimmy! Jimmy! Look. You want to get us killed? There's nobody here. All right, let's get back to the car and get out of here. Wait. What are you doing? I like to take a look inside. Why? Well, they may have been here and gone. Please wait. We might come on a clue. Everything comes to him who waits, including a hearse. It's unlocked. Now, let's get a match going. Okay, let's go in and watch out for snakes. Put you in oh. the neck. Well, I was afraid we'd find a snake in here. Hiya, Neil. Stay right where you are, wise guy. What are you doing there in the dark, waiting for something to develop? You know, that door with the moonlight behind you makes a very nice frame. I couldn't miss. Jimmy! Jimmy, where are you? Cut it out, sister. Okay, Gus, open up the lantern. We got him. Yeah. Gus. Yeah. Close the door, mister. <coughs> so you found the place, huh? Gus. Well, I hope you're satisfied. Gus, where's Jimmy? What's happened to him? Well, what's happened to him, she says. Here I am sitting with a bullet in my chest, and all she hollers is, what's happened to that dumb little punk? Gus. She sees me. Gus, where is he? I'll dry up. He'll be back. I just sent him down the road for a can of gas. Where's your car? You think we'd leave it out in front? Uh, what happened to Gus? Who shot him? What difference does it make? This is one story you ain't covering, pal. There ain't no kibitzes tonight. You dealt yourself in and your cards don't look good, pal. <laughs> Not with me holding six bullets in my hand. Well, like they say, Neil, the game is always darkest before you've drawn. Yeah, you don't get no more cards, friend. You're through. The roadblock. Of course, Gus got it when you crashed the roadblock. <laughs> Give the sucker a cigar. You know, I get a bang knocking you two off right now. Just in case we do have trouble, maybe we could use a hostage or two. Hostage? <laughs> Neil, that's a $2 word. Yeah, yeah. I got a 39-cent rope to go with it. Turn around, both of you. Well, I guess that'll hold you for a while. Keep him covered, Gus. Soon as the kid gets back, he can come upstairs and stand watch at the window while I come down and take over. Give you a chance to sleep. Yeah. And if they try anything, let them have it. I, I can handle it. Go on. <coughs> Go on. 
Gus, I don't care what you do to me, but your son, your own flesh and blood. Shut up. Gus, please. Captain, Listen, you. Gus, all the time I've been saving, hoping to have enough to send him to college someday, and then you come back. College? <laughs> all right, so he'll go to college. I got some deals coming. Look, you you help me get out of this spot, honey. We'll have enough dough to... The Gold Coast Servants College, huh? So I'll send him to college. <coughs> but you can send him to college, Gus, now. What? What are you talking about? You're worth $5,000. Dead or alive. <laughs> Reward for me? $5,000. Look, let Ann turn you in. Let her, Gus. She'll get the reward. Just cut us loose. What kind of a sucker do you think I am? You lying. All right, then. All I got to say is you better see a doctor before morning if you expect to live. Shut <laughs> up. Dance on your grave, you creep. What's the use of kidding yourself? You're dying. You're just sitting there dying. Your only chance is a doctor now before it's too late. I don't have to tell you, Gus. That bullet's in your lungs. And when you start to go, it'll be fast. Nothing will save you. Go ahead and die, why don't you now? No. Now, look. Someone's coming. Jimmy! Get here. Oh, Jimmy. Ma, did you have to tie her up? Hey, punk. Neil, hey, why'd you have to tie her up? See, you come up the road with that can of gas. Where is it? Outside. Well, get it in the car. You hear? Make it snappy. Yeah. And when you're through, come on up here. Okay. Ma. It's all right, Jimmy. Jimmy, Neil will kill you, Mother. You've got to cut us loose. Oh, no. No, he won't. Everything will be all right, Ma. <laughs> I gotta get to a doctor. You haven't got much time, Gus. I gotta get out of here. Cheapers, Pop, we can't. Maybe if I can get Neil to let me go for a doctor. A doctor won't do him any good here. He's got to get to a hospital. Yeah. But, Pop. But I'm dying. I can't lay here and just die. But, Pop, Neil said all the rules. Neil be hanged. He can burn for all I can. It's your only chance, Gus. Not only for yourself, but for your wife and Jimmy. The reward will help. Reward? What difference does that make to me? Look, I gotta get to a hospital. Look, I'll cut you loose. You, you gotta help me. Huh? Roll over. Right. <laughs> Close enough? Yeah. Make a sound, make a sound, you little rat, and I'll bless. Yes, he won't, he won't. <laughs> there. Now your hands are loose. Give me that gun on the knife. Okay, Mrs. Reed. Oh. And now your ankles. Oh. There you are. Okay. You stand right where you are. Neil. Yeah. Your partner. Neil Ramsey stood at the head of the stairs at the other end of the big room. I could barely make him out in the dim gloom, but you didn't have to spotlight his forty-five to know that it was looking down at us. Drop the rod, journalist. Came down, crossed the floor, his face twisted in the kind of grin you see pictured on labels over the word poison. So you want to go to a hospital, eh, Gus? Neil, I, I gotta, I can't, yeah. I can't breathe. And I can blame for all you care, eh? No, I, I didn't mean it that way, Neil. You want to go to a hospital, give up. They can't give you a worse sentence than what you got now, is that it? I wouldn't say anything, Neil. I, I would... But me, I burn when they catch me. <laughs> but you don't care. That's okay by you, eh? <laughs> I, I, I'm no good to you, Neil. Please. Please, Neil, don't do it. I, I wouldn't double-cross you. I swear. Yeah, I you double... swear. 
I'm just looking at you, Gus. I'm wondering why an operator like me, who's supposed to have a few brains, ever tied up with a cheap yellow... I'm not tonight, yellow. What's the matter, punk? Does the tooth hurt? Why, he'll tell you so himself. Go on, go on. Tell him, Gus. Tell him you're a cheap yellow lout. Tell him, Rob. I'm a cheap yellow lout. Oh, please, Neil, please let me alone. I can't breathe. Please. You can't breathe. Well, nobody that can't breathe belongs in any hospital. Neil. No. The place for him is the mall. No. You butcher. My pop! Shot him! I'll kill you! The kid flew at him and he wheeled a shoot. I put everything I had into a right that struck behind his ear with a shot that jarred me to my toes. Neil lay at our feet, sprawled out as cold as a witch's kiss. Jimmy stared down at him, the frenzy draining from his face. And something else went out of him, too. He turned slowly and he stared at Gus's dead face for half a minute. Why did he do it? Why did Bob do it? To watch him. What to? Third yellow. Yellow. He turned yellow. Look, Jimmy. I know he was your pop and it's tough, but without his gun, he was nothing. Nate would have turned yellow, too, if Gus had hit the drop on him. Without their guns, without. Having that advantage, they're all yellow, Jimmy, all of them. Begging for their lives and licking your boots and asking for mercy that they themselves have never given. People like that aren't heroes, kiddo. Takes a lot more than a gun to make a hero. A lot more. Jimmy. And you know what, Jimmy? You can be different. I think you have what it takes. Jimmy, dear. He'll be all right. Given half a break. I'm sure of it. Four AM, the morning still dark with leftover night. A few hours from now, Mrs. Reed will find out that there is no reward for Gus, that I uh, lied trying to trick him into letting us go. But she'll feel better about it, maybe, when she finds out there is one for Neil and $5,000 worth. So maybe Jimmy will have his chance for an education after all. That is, after we straighten out a slight case of armed robbery and aiding to escape convicts. This is going to take quite some straightening, but uh, when it comes to kids, even at four in the morning, I'm an optimist. Hmm. Well, so that's it. It isn't often life ties up a story with a rose-colored ribbon. Usually it just leaves the loose ends dangling. So, uh, well, let's tie it up. Copy, boy. You are listening to Nightbeat on the Wheaties' Big Parade. And here's the star of Nightbeat, Frank Lovejoy. Got your Wheaties on you, Frank? Oh, no, I hardly ever carry them with me, Frank, but, uh... I always know where I can get them, you know. Mm-hmm. We have a place on the cupboard shelf at home reserved for the Wheaties box. Well, I suppose with a couple of youngsters digging in, the Wheaties don't last long at the Lovejoy house. Oh, that's for sure. We really go through them. Mm, so do we. I guess there are a lot of families like ours, Frank, where Wheaties have a reserved place on the cupboard shelf. 
Well, I can't think of a nicer whole wheat flake to reserve a place for, Frank. Good <laughs> night. Good night, Frank Lovejoy. Get your Wheaties, everybody. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Irvin Ashkenazi and John Robinson with music by Frank Worth. The part of Gus was played by Bill Conrad. B. Benaderet was Anne. Others in tonight's cast were Jack Crucian, Sheldon Leonard, Jeff Silver, and Parley Bear. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen also on Tuesday, that's tomorrow night, to the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Nightbeat came to you transcribed from Hollywood. Stay tuned now for Top Secret, starring Alona Massey on NBC. The best understanding of America begins, or so it seems to us, with the realization that this nation is young yet. That she's still new and unfinished. That even now, America is man's greatest adventure in time and space. The University of North Carolina, through a grant and aid from the National Association of Educational Broadcasters, presents American Adventure, a study of man in the new world. A series made possible by the Fund for Adult Education, an independent agency established by the Ford Foundation. Written by John Ely, directed by John Clayton, today's recorded program is The Rat on Lincoln Avenue. This is the story of a block of avenue and the people who were on it on the evening of July 22, 1934. The street is named Lincoln Avenue. You in Chicago may have heard of it. The number of the block is 2400. There was a theater, a national tea company store, two garages, a restaurant, a saloon. It's just a piece of street in Chicago. What of the people? They were real people that night in 1934. But real people speak without being recorded, act without reporters. There were no reporters there at 8.40 p.m. The reporters came later, so we can't use the real people. But the street is real, the night is real, the theater is lighted and the bar is open. What happened that night is real. And the people, though not real, are as alive as we can make them. 
violence? Uh. What are those men doing out on the street? I don't know. Come here to the window and look. Oh, for the Lord's sake. Claire, can I get a shirt on? Where? Standing right there in front of the theater. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, fasten the sleeve button for me. Hold still. Oh, it's broke. Mm, they always break. I think I have breaks. Well, take off the shirt and I'll sew it for you. <sighs> Who do you reckon those men are, Collins? I don't know. Look all right. Can a few men stand around on the sidewalk? Hard-looking men. Here's the shirt. Hurry. The movie's about to start. Maybe they're part of a game. Oh, Claire. Maybe there'll be a killing. Oh, Claire, please. Well, they, they do look like gangsters or, or policemen. Well, it's hard to tell which. Hmm. How many down there? Well, I can see eight or nine. Uh, and look across the street, over the garage. Yeah. Well, they seem to be watching the theater. And there... Two more crossing the street towards us. Going in the restaurant downstairs. I tell you, Collins, they look like part of a game. Let's, let's get this table by the window. All right. Let me sit over here where I can see the car. You watch down the street. What time you got? About 8.45, Jim. What do you mean about? My watch says 8.47 p.m. Central Standard Time. Somebody mentioned 8.50, you know. Three minutes more. What's the boss doing now? He's in the car, talking to somebody. I wish Johnny would get here. You think he'll come? How do I know? We'll get him if he does. You gentlemen want to order now? Oh, we'll wait. We closed the main part of the kitchen at 8.30, you know. No, I didn't, but I'll remember it. What I mean by that, no dinner's ordered after 8.30. But if you want a dinner, I'll, I'll let you order it There's now. a man in a gray suit coming, kid. John, Johnny doesn't wear a coat. Maybe he's changed. No. Look, you gentlemen hear me? We got roast beef and some fried chicken left. You want it or not? You want a dinner, kid? No, I, I'm not hungry. I'll take the roast beef. On the dinner or you want a sandwich? I want the dinner. And a glass of milk. I'll bring it just as soon as I can get it ready. Why aren't you hungry, kid? Oh. Nervous? Sure. Why? This is big. You know that. This will make every paper in the country. Sure. Papers all over the world. You just wait for the signal, that's all. Isn't that right? Yeah. Easy. It's Anne, too. My girl. She told me if I came on this, we were through. There's a man coming down the sidewalk without a coat. What's he wearing? Sports shirt, light blue, gray pants. It's not Johnny. Johnny wears a tie. I, I can't let Ann go, can I? Huh? When I was young, just a kid, Ann was older. I liked her, but she was older than me. You know how it is? Sure, just like you said. Older boys. She got married, married a punk, no good. Well, let's talk about something else. She's divorced now. She likes me. You ought to see the way she takes on about me. And when you consider that when she was a kid, all the boys liked her. And this afternoon, she gets squeamish on me. Don't tell me all your troubles. We're here. We've got a job to do. I know about that. There's a man coming along with two other fellas. It isn't Johnny, then. Look, when Johnny comes and the boss gives a signal, what do we do? Take him. Do we shoot? Well, that's up to Johnny. Probably not. Can we shoot through this window? Sure, it'll break. But through the door screen is better. It's 8.50 now. You like to eat salt? Huh? No. Here, try it. Shake some out in your hand and eat it. I don't want any salt. Good. No. There's a man coming, coming along with two women. 
Now that could be Johnny. No coat, tie, white shoes. Don't stare. Ain't you gonna look? I'm looking for the signal, that's all. Here's the milk. I'll bring the dinner in a minute. Thanks. You want peas or carrots? Carrots. You want vegetable or fruit salad? You want french fries or mashed potatoes? Mashed. Gee, you know your own mind, mister. I like that in a man. That's the one I meant passing now. Signal? Looks like Johnny from here. Except he's got black hair. Look, is there a signal or not? They're letting him walk on by. He's stopping at the movie house, best I can tell. What's the boss doing? He's in his car, watching. Maybe it's not Johnny. Johnny's to me, boss. Black hair. It's Johnny's shoulders. No scar. Straight nose. But it's Johnny's shoulders. It's not Johnny's face. It's Johnny's face. I never saw this guy before. That's him. You can change your face, change your hair, cut off a scar. You can't change him. There, walking away from the box office, you see? Yeah. Looks like Johnny, all right. That's him. You going to give the signal? Uh, not now. Too many people on the street now. Let him see the movie. We'll get him coming out. Two hours is a long wait, boss. I waited longer than two hours. You got men on the back doors of that theater? How could I? Every door. Call in the rest of the men. Put two men on every door. Tell them he's dyed his hair black and changed his face. Right. You get his description? White silk shirt, nice gray tie, flipped with black, white canvas shoes, gray goggles. Two men on every door. Yeah. My shirt, Clay. Are you going to set a button on my shirt? I'm sewing it. You've been sewing it forever. He's talking to those men over at the garage, Colin. Maybe he's waiting on a car. One of them is walking away, and the tall man's going on down the street. Uh. Collins, I'm afraid. I think I'll call the police. Claire, Claire, wait a minute. Uh, you know, sometimes people get mixed up in things that or any of their business. Well, what, for instance? I mean, uh, well, maybe, maybe they're cops, Claire. Well, if they're cops, won't the cops know it? Well, maybe they ain't cops. Maybe, they, maybe they're a gang, like you said. Look, honey, forget it, will you? It's the first time in ten years you've called me, honey. Well, look, forget it, will you? Well, can I call the police if I don't tell them who I am? No, Tracy. How? I don't know how. Oh, I'm going to call them, Collins. After all, somebody might get hurt. If I was down there, I'd want somebody to call them. Operator? Operator, I want to get information. Where are we going to, to the movies, Claire? You know, Clark Gable? You, you know, you like him. You never miss Clark Gable. Well, he's on tomorrow night, too. Uh, information? I want the nearest police station. I'm on Lincoln Avenue, 2400 block. Besides, we go to the movies all the time. Mm. Movies or you go bowling, never stay home and talk. Oh, stop it again, Claire. Uh, <laughs> would, would you ring them, please, operator? This is an emergency. Well, this is no emergency. They'll laugh at you. The cops get dozens of calls like uh, this. Police station? Uh, this is an unnamed party that lives on Lincoln Avenue. Uh, there are 20 or 30 men on the street outside my window. Uh, Tough-looking men. I'm afraid somebody's going to get hurt. Claire, there aren't 30 men out well, there. Well, officer, you can certainly come to look for yourself if you want to. Uh, or my husband's right here. He'll tell you. Here, Collins, they want to speak to you. Uh-huh. Well, come on, Collins, but, hurry. Uh, hello? Yes, uh, yes. Well, you see, my wife was looking out of the window at the traffic, as she always does, and 
Well, she noticed those strange men, two of them in the parked car and others standing in the doorways around, you see. Huh? Oh, 2400 Lincoln Avenue, that's right. Uh, now, I think that... What did the police say, Colin? He said thanks, and he hung up. Well, didn't you tell him it's an oh, emergency? You heard what I told him? Well, they'll look into it, I think. Well, they'd better. Colin? Yeah, honey? Lock the door. Oh, Claire. You, you think we should? Lock it. All right. Claire, what are you doing? Well, I, I, I'm looking for that... Uh, oh, dear, dear. Oh, Claire, put the pistol down. You'll shoot somebody. Well, it doesn't have any bullets. What are you doing with it, then? Well, I feel better with it. <laughs> it's only a twenty-two. Oh, it comforts me, Collins, that's mm. all. When you're out bowling at night, I always sit here by the window with the door locked, look at the nice young people go by with a pistol in my hand. I, I get afraid. It's company. You, you never told me you'd get afraid. Didn't I? Bring your chair up to the window so we can both see. Oh, this is crazy, Claire. I, I know, but isn't it strange? Right in front of our window, just like in the movie. Did the men seem nervous? Some of them. But they're okay. They were joking. What's funny? The movie. What movie? At the show there, the theater. Clark Gable and William Powell. It's, it's the show Johnny's looking at. Oh. What's funny? It's a crime picture. It's one of those crime does not pay pictures. <laughs> he sees crime does not pay, then he comes out and we get him. <laughs> I see. When will Johnny be out? Well, the film's over at 10.30. I expect it'll all be over before 10.35. Um... For over an hour, I heard you talking. Anne's nothing to me. I don't know her. Change of subject. Anne's a good girl. Okay, okay. She doesn't want me to get mixed up in crime, stuff like that. If you shoot a guy like Johnny, you mark yourself. Maybe. Baby-faced, pretty boy, guys like that. You mark yourself. So you mark them. It's a dog-eat-dog existence. Did you think it wasn't? Say. What? Cops. Don't look around. What they doing? Talking to the boss. Just walked up to his car. What they want? How do I know? How did they find out? Who can tell things like that? They could really mess it up. Johnny C. Blue uniforms, three of them out You'd there. You take off like a bull. Faster. Give him one and he's gone. He's magic, that guy. Are they still talking to the boss? Yeah. What did he tell him? Oh, he's a talker. You tell him his kid's sister's inside and he's waiting to drive her home anything. Gee. I want a beer, do you? No drinking, Joe. I'm thirsty. Cops are moving away now. Coming in here? Walking up the street. Don't look. Why, why don't you be eating your food? Yeah, it's a good idea. Gee, it's, it's cold, this food. They, they didn't come in. They're going on up the street. One of them's coming back, Joe. Huh? He's coming in. You want me to talk? Yeah. He's coming over here. Excuse me. Huh? Oh, hello, officer. We got the report. We're investigating is all. I noticed your dinner looks cold. I uh, wasn't hungry. 
Do you mind showing me some identification? I don't have any on me. You want to come to headquarters? On what charge? Eating dinner? Eating a cold dinner? Look, we got a report that some crooks are around. What do you mean by that? You see the other two cops outside the window? You want me to call them in? All right. Here you are. Don't touch it. Just look. Chicago, Indiana Police. Special assignment. George? Of course it is. What's your height? 5'10". Eyes? Blue. Color of hair? Brown. Scars? Bullet wound, left arm. Let me see. Sure. There you are. What are you doing here? Special assignment mean anything to you? Big job? You know the rules, buddy. Move on. I'm just interested. Who's your buddy? I'm special, special agent, FBI. I see. Sorry. Got a call, you know. Funny we don't know about this at the local precinct. It's mostly FBI. They ran in a few of us from Indiana. I see. Thought you might be crooks. Can't tell the difference, huh? Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, buddy. What you mean about, Joe? That cop. Can't tell the difference. Oh, forget him. Gets under my skin. I chase criminals for 20 years. I end up looking like one. We got the biggest crook of all in a theater. Got him surrounded. But you can't tell him from a cop without a scorecard. Oh, get off that kind of talk, will you? You think this being a cop is a great, big, beautiful life, don't you? I don't know. Well, I agree with you, girl. Get out of this racket. It's Sunday night. You ought to be in a church somewhere instead of here with me. Waiting at a big plate glass window for John Dillinger to come out of a theater. You ought to be in bed. I wouldn't worry about it. Let me tell you something. You mind? No. My daughter's 17. She brought home a young kid the other night. Young fella. Nervous. First one she brought home. So she introduced us and he sat down. Finally he said, Well, what do you do for a living, sir? And I said, I'm a cop. Then he looks at me. Startled, sudden like, you know, like, like people look at cops as if you slug them in the kidneys where it won't leave a bruise. Are you stacking away hush money? How many criminals call you by your first name? That's right, kid. Get out. You mess with criminals, you get dirty. That's my job, Joe. Hero, huh? Maybe I will be. Well, I'll tell you who the hero is. Johnny. Dillinger? When he dies, thousands will stand in line to see his body. They'll mob the cops that kill him. Wait and see. I don't believe you. Go down the street to the theater. Have you seen that movie? What's on? Manhattan melodrama. I saw it uptown. It's a crime picture. Johnny come all the way to this little theater down here. Planted. Had to because somebody tipped off the FBI that he'd be here. Come down here to this little theater to see it because he knew that it was going to make him feel good to see how everybody likes a good, solid, gay, happy, everyday superior criminal. Get out, kid. People don't like cops. I've seen movies. Crime movies that say crime doesn't pay. Oh, they mustn't say it good. Or they wouldn't be playing to John Dillinger. surrounded. He shot his way out, remember? Yes. How does it feel to be a few minutes away from taking Dillinger? Feels all right. Like we're capturing, isolating something that went wrong, that never developed. Just ate away at society instead of contributing to it. Just ate away like a rat in a corn bin. Served no good purpose. It'll be like capturing and isolating something that might have been useful, but isn't. To save society. 
which is valuable. There was a laundry truck that passed at 10.22, about the time a young lady who liked Clark Gable came out of the theater. She'd seen the movie since 4 o'clock and had decided she should go home, perhaps come back the next afternoon. The waitress in the restaurant said she wanted to go home, too, but she said that the restaurant was supposed to stay open until 11 o'clock. She'd worked in that restaurant for four years, and she was getting tired of it. She said nothing ever happens around here. Same old routine, night after night. Same dinners, she said. Never any action around here. At 10.25, a strange and interesting hush came over Lincoln Avenue. The cars moved, as always. But there were many people who did not hear them, whose entire attention was on the theater. The theater. Almost time for the movie to be out, Collins. Mm, it's not quite 10 30, Claire. They're definitely watching the theater, Collins. Sure they are. You see that man over there with the Coke machine at the garage? Uh-huh. That's his fifth Coca-Cola tonight. Mm, they've been here a long time. Collins, don't stand up. Why not, honey? Sit down, please. They might shoot. Oh. Sit down, please. All right, Claire. You just stay down. If, if you lean over a little bit to the side, the edge of the window will help protect you. <laughs> From what, honey? Well, I don't know, but you ought to be protected. It's almost time for the movie to let out. You'll see people fighting to get one look at him. I don't believe it. People tearing each other apart. I'm tired of hearing you talk, Joe. Why? Because because you, you see so much of the dirty humanity, you think all humanity is dirty. You're looking at me like that boy my daughter brought You've up. lost faith. I've got all the faith people deserve. No, you haven't. You just haven't. Then stay. Get like me. You'll see tonight. We have to shoot Dillinger. The people will show you who the people's hero is. They'll tear each other apart just to be able to touch Johnny's body. Just wait around, kid. You'll see. And let's get out. Out of the car? The men can see me give the signal better if we stand on the sidewalk. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. 10.32. What if it ain't Johnny? I'm the one that gives the signal. It's my decision. Yes, sir. It's Johnny's shoulders. About 10.30, don't you? Oh, I feel I'll have to call the police oh, again. Oh, good, Claire. man across the street is coming over to the curb. Yeah. Look, look, down there in the doorway. They're changing their position. Yeah. Collins? Yes, honey? You're holding my hand. Oh. Oh, it's all right. Seems like because of what's going on out there, you and me are closer in this room than we've ever been before. Like, like it makes everything we've been fighting about seem so little. Are you sure the door's locked? Oh, it's locked. Don't you remember? Something terrible is going to happen, Collins. 
Maybe we ought to leave. I, I can't leave, uh, can you? No, 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 I, I know I ought to leave. I, I shouldn't watch. It's going to be terrible, God. I, I know it is, honey. I, I'd like to leave, but I don't, I don't want... I, I don't either. They're calling there. Yes. People coming out. Making their eyes, rubbing their eyes. They're theater people. It, it's over. They're coming out now, Colin. <sighs> the men down there are just standing, watching. Yeah, I see. Talking, you see. But they keep their hands in their pockets. That men over there, you see. Maybe they have a gun. Crooks, cheap crooks. Going to kill somebody. But who? Who, Claire? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew. I'd yell. I'd warn them. It might be any one of those people. It might be that nice young man coming out of the theater now. That there, with those two pretty girls, see? The man in the white shirt and the pretty tie. Nice fella. He reminds me of someone I know. Might even be him they're going to shoot. They're looking at him, Collins, you see? They're moving toward him, Collins, that nice young man. Claire, Claire, you all right? Yes, yes, I'm all right. Uh, I was real afraid for you. Isn't that strange? After 20 years, uh, I was still afraid for you. Collins, they shot him. I know, right before my eyes. It was the most terrible thing I ever saw. Don't let me look anymore, Collins. All right, hold the crowd back. They're crazy, Chief. Good Lord, they're out of their minds. Hold them back. Get back. Turn Johnny over. Take his gun out of his hand. You shouldn't have tried to draw, Johnny. It was your last mistake. Three slugs in him, Chief. You'll never see morning. Bring around the ambulance. Two pedestrians wounded in the leg, sir. Take care of them. See if Johnny has a ring on his left hand, third finger. Yes, sir, he has. Gold for the ruby? Yes, sir. I told you it was Johnny. In there, Chief. What's the matter with him? He won't talk to anybody. When Johnny turned out there and started pulling the gun out, the kid fired right through the door. Well, what's the matter with him? He won't say. Hey, Harold. What's the matter? They're just like Joe there said. They're animals. Who? People. I saw them out there putting their handkerchiefs down in Johnny's blood. Just to save some of it. Forget it. How can you forget it? They'll be at Johnny's funeral. Thousands. So? And who are we hiding around in doorways, setting traps like criminals? Catch a rat, you set a trap. Get to be like them. Sometimes even we can't tell a cop from a crook. A man can tell himself from a crook. Now snap out of it. Don't be too hard on him, Chief. It's both his his girl figures somehow, and he shot first, the very first. I know, I saw it. Look, son, listen to me. Maybe I can say something that'll help you to understand the people out there. Look at me, I said. Yeah? Uh, you ought to know something about people. You ought to know they don't like authority, rules, laws. Haven't you ever heard them yell, kill the umpire? Don't you know Americans like Jesse James, not the sheriff or the posse? Sure. So what? So that's part of the way we are. Of course, you can't live in a country like this without rules, laws, police, the military. But don't expect people to fall all over us with happiness whenever they see us. We represent what binds and restricts and chafes. Is that why people out there are weeping over Johnny's body? That's part of it. Then, too, there's the reason that Dillinger was colorful, famous, big, the number one criminal in America. Looks like that'd make them hate him more. Does it? 
Well, when I was a boy out on the farm, I remember killing a rat. A big one. The biggest I'd ever seen. And my mother almost fainted. My father was almost sick. It was the biggest, ugliest rat I ever saw. We took that rat down the road to Jamerson's and showed it to the old man. He called his sons. It was the biggest rat they'd ever seen. And we took it all over that part of the county. Next day, people came from far as away as Topton to see it. The biggest rat ever seen. Why people came, I don't know, except people are like that. But don't think they liked it. Don't think they wanted one. Don't think they wanted to be one. Sure, there'll be thousands at Johnny's funeral for one reason or another. Maybe I'll go. Maybe you ought to go. Me? Why? Because he's one of the biggest rats in the world. One of the biggest rats anybody, anywhere, ever saw. And you killed him. Any resemblance in our characters to Chief Melvin Purvis or the late inspector Samuel P. Coley or to their FBI men or to the Chicago, Indiana policemen who are with them or to any other person is coincidental. But basic facts connected with the incident of the Dillinger death are from the Federal Bureau of Investigation report. American Adventure is written by John Ely, directed by John Clayton, produced by the Communication Center of the University of North Carolina. American Adventure is a study of man in the new world, his values and his characteristics, who he is, what he believes. The series is made possible by the National Association of Educational Broadcasters and the Fund for Adult Education, an independent agency established by the Ford Foundation. In The Rat on Lincoln Avenue, Edith Sanford was the woman. Charles Hadley was her husband. Charles Carrault was the boss. Earl Wynn was his assistant. Bill Waddell was the Chicago, Indiana cop. John Ely was the kid. And Joe Gershevsky was the waitress. This is Carl Castle. American Adventure is produced and recorded by the University of North Carolina on the campus at Chapel Hill. Easy Street can be more than just an expression to you. It can be a way of living. Start planning for it today. Begin buying United States savings bonds. Next, the news, then X-1 on the NBC radio network. That's it for the Relic radio show for this week. You can find more from American Adventure, Nightbeat, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. You'll also find our Shoutcast stream up and running there, and if you'd like to help support it all, you can give that donate button a click or visit donate.relicradio.com. If you're able to help out, your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next week with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.